Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. It's 4 p.m. Stand up. It's count time. Time for every man and woman to stand up and be counted. Welcome to another edition of Pound Time Podcast. I am Brother L. Diazobra, formerly named Lyman White. Thank you for joining us today. You used to take trips to bring people to Canada. You started oh, yeah. talking about it. Okay, now how did that come about? Let's tell, tell your story on that. I was reading a book. I still have it. I saw it this morning on places in, in, in this country cities and towns and all of that. And I read this story about Reverend William King. This is a man, his people came into this country from Ireland during the potato famine over there. But he became, well, told that. He came looking for a job. But at that time, over in Clinton, Louisiana, I mean Jackson, Louisiana, there was a big university. Part of that is still sitting there. That big place of dormitory, that beautiful building is still sitting there. And that was in, during slavery time. Well, on Southern Campus? No, it's in Jackson, Louisiana. Oh, the sitting area. Sitting area. Yeah, the yes. sitting area. Yeah. Yes, yes. The school. All right, Reverend King. Yeah, because I went there with you years ago. On one of your trips. Yeah, you well, brought, you the, brought who us there. Who else was on that? It was with the, the, the River Road African American Museum along with the State Museum Conference. Oh. Yeah, I, I, was there, I was there with Gordon, but well, that baby was sitting see, there. Well, getting me confused. I started having trips for a long time. I would go to different things like Gettysburg, Canada, Harriet Tubman's. Underground Railroad. Yeah. That's why we was in Jackson. You, you were showing us that was part of the Underground Railroad. But yeah, that's what Reverend King uh, married the people in that house. It's about to go. It's in Jackson. Nobody's in it. But those people out of Canada came, and whenever some of them come this way, they always contact me. They were on this big boat, you know, that big thing that comes out of Tennessee that travel with people, and they mm -hmm. go and go like the like the, the queen something. It's a big boat. Yeah, yeah, I know you're talking about. You should break people. Yeah, break people. and things on the side. Like well, the some of them I had met, and they came a few years ago in the eighties. They brought a bus of people from Canada, and I took them on. We had stuff at Southern Farm, and I took them on to, to Southern University. Yeah, okay. I, I took them on up there, and all of that. Took them through St. Fran Francisville and people in Jackson because Reverend King was there and he inherited 15 slaves. He hated slavery. He and his brother were, his brother came to Jackson and became a mayor in Jackson. But they were living in Ohio. After they left Ireland, they came and lived in Ohio. And Reverend King wound up marrying Mary Morning Ferris, P-H-A-R-E-S, and they had a son. But Reverend King, he was able to es escape out of there with those 15 slaves, got into St. Francisville, and took that on into um, Ohio. 
So, so he had to escape with. Yeah, but he was a free man, of course. But he, but he was of the European descent, right? Yes. So why he had to escape if he was a European with... with, with he didn't want them to see him taking no slaves out of that. Oh, okay. You see, yeah. he had 15 slaves he had to get out of that. Now, this part of the Underground Railroad or before the Underground Railroad? Well, they were having the Underground Railroad people up there in Maryland and places like that, like Harriet Tubman and all of them. But he had inherited these slaves, but he did not want to leave. He hated slavery. They, when he was living in Europe, they had big things over there that he was part of, detesting slavery, because they had it over there too. And um, so Reverend King took his chances, and, but he got attention of a lot of people on the ship that from St. Francisville, that's where he left from. And um, he took them, he had to wind up, he bought, what was it? I have so much I could have shown you. He had all these slaves. He didn't go to Canada at first. He went to Ohio, where Toledo, near Toledo, Ohio. He left them there with his family. He had all these brothers and his, his dad. And he went to Canada. He just thought he was going to hold on to them. And he bought, what was it, 2,000 acres of ground in Canada to put these people on. And he built a church and all of that. So he took them, but he bought all that ground to become getting people into his place. And eventually, they could buy property from him. So that's why he purchased so much property. But he had a place of refuge for the people, the enslaved yes. people? Yeah, these okay. were people who had escaped. Okay, then. Many of them had escaped. Naturally, they're going to know people, and some would have lights in the window and that kind of thing. Well, he knew those people. He knew where to, to expect anybody coming out of Kentucky, especially was one. He would come out of Kentucky and cross there into Ohio. Well, they still had to track because I have a book on how the many little slave owners were trying to trick them to, to get them back into Kentucky. There is a museum, two of them, one on Reverend King's place. Did you ever look at that thing? I was, didn't I tell you about the Hall to Buxton? You said, oh, I looked for it, I couldn't find it. It's all there. I couldn't. That's just me. I'm not as good at that. Now, they have two Buxtons, but one is in this country. That's another place. This is in Canada. No, no, no. Now, what was home to Buxton? What is that? That's the, all that property that Reverend King bought. They still have families of escaped slaves. They're still in Buxton. Oh, they call it Buxton? Yeah. All right. North Buxton, because it's right on Lake Erie. So this, this when you brought a group of people up there? Yeah. Um, I went first. Just me and my oldest daughter and her son. He was a baby at that time. So I went. I was just determined to go. I, I <laughs> Woo. But I wanna, what I want to find, put together, is that you was taking, how many trips you was taking people from the U.S. to Canada well, yeah, on some a, of my trips on, were, on an underground, what would you call it? 
Well, yeah, you can say Underground Railroad because all of it dealt with people. Harriet Tubman's house, we went there because every the end of May, they always have a big day at Harriet Tubman's house. They have a museum and all that across the, the road. Have a lot of people there, busloads. And so I have taken people there twice. But they do. You can leave there. They will ask you to get back on that bus and go about a mile to her grave. And it's in a big cemetery. Who is her? Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where they have a big preaching and singing and at Harriet Tubman's grave. And every year, the 30th, I think it's the 30th of May, they have that. Now, where's that grave located at? It's in uh, upstate New, New York. York right? mm -hmm. okay. You see, she was in Canada. You see, because normally I go to Canada, that's her church. When she escaped out of Maryland, she went to Canada. The church she attended there, I understand she helped to build that church. Well, when you get there, you, you know, it's in good shape now. She was there, and the man who was Lincoln's Secretary of State, he was a man, before they killed Lincoln, they tried to kill him. His house is in the same, about two blocks away from Harriet Tubman's house. His house is there. I understand it's open now for people who want to come in. But he's the man they tried to kill in the White House, trying to get to Lincoln. They were determined to kill Lincoln, but he was Lincoln's Secretary of State. He was from New York, and he's the one encouraged Harriet to come at her house. It's about two blocks from his house. They didn't mention my organization. They just mentioned that my trip in that newspaper uh, had come the farthest distance than anybody else. I had come out of Louisiana to that activity, and I brought people there. An activity that was for her, on behalf of Harry Tubman celebrating? Well, they do that every year in May. Okay, about to put that on my bucket list, like they say. You was also telling me about two families the other day. You was telling me about, you uh, was with a group of people in, in St. Francisville who had purchased a plantation. You say it was the Barrow family. Well, just about most of the plantations in St. Francisville are barrels. Just plenty of them. One burned down, but it's beautiful. They have nothing but plants in it now. People pay to go see all that. Most of those, um, I went to Highland Plantation. That was the very first one. They came out of North, those barrels came out of North Carolina. It's still there. But most of that, the, they're related. Sometimes they married each other, cousins, that kind of thing. But that big plantation wants to turn on Highway 10. Highland was first, and that's where those rabies and so many of these other families here in Baton pictures and all that, they were there. And, but they don't have it open for the people anymore. But then you have Greenwood, that was a bearer. Either the woman was a bearer and she married somebody else, or a bearer, like this huge plantation, as soon as you turn on Highway 10. What is that? Rose down. Mm -hmm. That's right. Now, the man who owned that, that was a, that's another name, but his wife was a bearer. 
And um, so the bear owned most of the land in St. Francisville. Most of it. If you pay attention to that and to pay attention to them, that's what it is. So you said most people by the name of Barrels. Like he got a restaurant in New Orleans called Barrels Catfish. So okay, I know what you're talking about. So it might be the same thing. They just might be. You see, because there's a bunch of those barrels. You said the Barrel families basically own uh, so St. much. Francisville. So much. Now, but you you also tell me a story about our dear friend. Dr. George Jackson, who, mm-hmm. who's now the new chair at, 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 at Well, she was at this thing we had, they had up in St. Francisville. Now, you was also telling me about a story about her grandfather. I didn't know until she called me this morning. I never would have known that. See, I knew Joyce's mother. Mm-hmm. I knew her very well. I always liked her. Her mother? Joyce. Her mother was from that Cheneyville area. I had forgotten that her mother died. But I didn't know until last night when she called me. And I mentioned, I said, well, why didn't you, when we were talking about all these things that was going on in St. Francisville, to mention an ancestor of hers? And uh, but she told me last night, well, he was my grandfather. Who, who is he? Poppy. Poppy Square. Pompey. Pompey. Pompey Square. See, her mother was a square. Pompey Square. All my life I had heard of Pompey Square. All your life? All my life. When she told me that, I said, I didn't know. I said, what are you all going to do? I was waiting for her to bring up Pompey Square. Pompey Square was Louisiana's richest black man. Pompey Square. Pompey Square. Okay, now how he became rich? You know where the standard all is? That is today's Exxon? Yeah. Yes. Over there on Scenic Highway and all that. He sold all that property to the standard all back in 1909. So he, one man, he owned all that land. He was one other man. Shields. They were all out of St. Francisville. I don't know what he he did, but I knew him too. But he died right there on Scenic Highway in a shack. What he did with the rest of his money, with his money, because he and Puppet Square, that was their property over there. What did he do with his share? I think Pompey owned more than he did. Mr. Shields, I think his name was. And last we heard from Mr. Shields, he had died in that shack, sitting right in front of Standard Off, across the street. Pompey Square, people used to laugh about it. The man from New Jersey, that's where Standard Off started, was in New Jersey. When he came, when they from New Jersey came in and started Standard Off here, they needed that property. And that belonged to Pompey Square. And they purchased all that property from two. But it made him very rich. And I understand at that time, he couldn't even read and write. But Pompey Square, like white folk will do. White man christened Pompey Square, christened his daughter. Pompey Square, christened who dog? The, the, the white child. <laughs> 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 They're going to break in now. You got some. They want to get that money back from you. Yeah. 
old Palmer Square had a new car and all of that kind of stuff. That was in 1909. Uh, but I, but I, never, I never heard that story since I've been here. What about Palmer Square? Yeah, never heard first time oh, here. Boy. But what happened, I think, and I heard, Palmer Square got deathly ill. He never lived to get over it. Got deathly ill. They hired Miss Smith, her brother, was one of the Baton Rouge's. You know how we have these addictive black folks. His sister, Mrs. Smith's sister, was a nurse. When she heard that Pompey Square was sick over that, she came to be his nurse and married him on his deathbed. So you saying that needs to be a story written about Pompey Square then, huh? Well, yeah. I mean, that's the story nobody even familiar with around here in Baton Rouge. That's, that's pretty interesting, though. Just the story of Pompey Square. This is my daddy's uncle. He was a slave where Angola is today. Oliver Diggs, D-I-G-G-S. So he was the 82nd Regiment in the African Infantry, or the African Infantry. He was in the Civil War. He died in Baton Rouge. In the Civil War? World uh, War? No, that's Civil. That's my daddy's uncle. July 1864. And your daddy was in the World War I. World War I. Now, see, he was, my daddy would have known him. Now, this is what a lot of people don't realize. And it's gone so many years, wrong information. Ain't no such thing. Meaning of Creole in New Orleans. Creole is a word we think we understand, but no, we cannot define. How can you put your finger on the definition of this moving target of a word? Gwendolyn Midland Hall, a New Orleanian and one of the premier historians of our region, shed some light on this word and uh, twisted path it has taken to arrive at its current usage. Her article, Myth About Creole Culture in Louisiana. That was in 2001. Well, we know that's kind of like, it's, it had to be a made-up word, Creole. Uh, it's not a made-up word, but they take the meaning of the word and apply it where to, it to, does to, not belong. Yeah, apply it to people. Y yes. Let's get to with the beginning of what Creole meant here. Creole was those African slaves brought into Louisiana. Their children, those children of those slaves brought out of Africa, their children were Creoles, meaning they were not born in Africa. They were born here. And therefore, they were Creoles, not from Africa. They were born here. Those were the people. They're not the black, the half-white black folks. What's wrong with what you really are? You're a mulatto. You ain't no Creole. A Creole was the children of Africa. Wouldn't have nothing to do with no white man. They were the first generation born here. Meaning, you're not out of the continent of Africa. Creole means, if you read the whole thing, you'll see what I'm talking about. Now that was done. 2001. Yeah, now I have... Uh, I, I met Gwendolyn Middle Hall a couple, couple of times oh, through yeah. Kathy Hambrick. That's a good friend of okay, Kathy Hambrick. She, she, um, she did this. She wanted people to know the truth because it has gotten out of hand. Now, you know who 
recognize that more if you get into Opelousas, you hear a lot of dark-skinned blacks. They know they are the Creoles. They're not out of Africa. They are, the, they are descendants of that first generation out of Africa. And they're Creoles. And some people laugh, there ain't no Creoles. They're like, you just don't know what you're talking about. You go to synagogue. I went to synagogue. You'll find that out. Now, you also told me a story about you, you knew that, uh, I'll tell you, I was from St. Mary Paris, and you first thing you, first person, first individual you brought up was uh, Andrew Young. Andrew Young. Oh, yeah, Andrew Young. Well, his daddy was from St. Mary Paris. Yeah, he was from Franklin. He, he, his dad grew up in the same town I'm from. Oh, okay. Because the house is still there. We by the mayor of Franklin, along with some other people, want to preserve the God. property. I see this. This is my aunt, and I don't know who I can get to fix this. That's easy to do. How? Bring to the right people. That's just the end of a paper. They can, they can repair that easily. They, they can make another copy of that. Well, I, I want to know who that is. It just bothered me. Now, this is a cousin. He left St. Francisville, went up in Mississippi, got him a Got him a mulatto woman. He riding around. Them white men grabbed him and killed him. Now he was one of them Jordans from St. Francisville. Now he, he, he messed around there and went to the wrong place with that, huh? Yes, Lord. This is from uh, when I contacted Solomon Northup when I was able to find him. They brought me a beautiful thing book of their family. But after I found them, they came for the, when I did the marker, they uh, came for that. You had everybody a part of that. All that in honor of Sue, you see, Egress? Well, the, the thing at Loyola was in the honor of Sue. But did I tell you that uh, Oliver, uh, Solomon Northern, they, they would bring him like twice, I think it was twice, Twice they brought him down to my home to St. Mary Parish mm -hmm. to another plantation mm -hmm. to play to play for them at the at the big house. Yeah, they had um, in Centerville, Louisiana. The plantation mm, still, still exists there. in Centerville, Louisiana. And so those at uh, the national convention. These, these the houses that they renovated houses. No, I just took pictures of houses and did me some t-shirts. Oh, okay. And I put the history of shotgun houses on the back of it. <laughs> so what, what is the history of shotgun houses? Well, they came out of Haiti. Out of Haiti? Yes, indeed. When After that Haitian Revolution and all those people came into the city of New Orleans, that's why you see all those in New Orleans. So they, they, say, they, they say everything was done by the Spanish, you know, everything. Like, that ain't no Spanish. The, the Spanish He's the out Fr of West the, Africa. The Spanish, the French Quarter, so we don't get credit for nothing. Uh, Africa, <laughs> them shotgun houses. So the, yes, as a matter of fact, a trailer ain't nothing but a shotgun house. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because it's straight back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you saying that the Haitians are the ones who started Brought it in, started. and they did a big thing at New Orleans Museum of Art. Shotgun houses. And all goes back to Haiti. That's right. 
So what, what we haven't created. That, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. Well, we got to go to wrap this up, and we got to do another show. Uh, probably let you talk to some people <laughs> and let them ask about their family, because you were so familiar with Louisiana history and the, the people, what plantations they came from. Well, Miss Edna, I'd like to I thank you. I don't let nobody get a hold of my program. <laughs> I'm not gonna let nobody get a hold of because your this. Because this is my work, and, and, and we gonna honor your work. I'm glad to be, I'm elated to have you and your lovely daughter here today and to be a participant of uh, Count Time. Mm-hmm. And we are honored to have you. Now always remember this here. Man can shackle the hand. Man can shackle the feet. But only you can shackle the mind. The mind is always free to travel wherever you dare to take it. And I'd like to thank you for tuning in once again to Count Time Podcast. I'm Brother L. Diazobra. Thank you once again. Remember, it's 4 p.m. Stand up. It's count time. Time for every man and woman to stand up and be counted.